screen these videos before Angelo puts them up because now I have to preach after that. And that does it, right? Like that's the story. That's the celebration of Christmas. For unto us a child is born and mankind has the opportunity for salvation that they never could have gotten on their own. That's actually the real joy of Christmas. That's, that's the reason why we celebrate each and every year. That's the reason why we come together as a family and we, we come around the tree and we give gifts is that we're in a constant state of, of, of trying to remake and maybe even compensate for what has already been done for us. I, I love the question that the, the, the dad asked the little girl, why did he come? And he came to save us. But that question alone is, is challenging for some people as to save us from what? For what purpose? Why do I need to be saved? Uh, there's a myriad of questions that we can certainly answer tonight, but I, I, I promised you it would be a shorter sermon. You'll have to come back January 8th when we get into the life of Jesus and we explore two questions for the next several months. Who is Jesus and how should I respond to him? I hope you'll join us starting January the 8th to do that. How many of you have dinner in the oven or in the crock pot or you've got a plan for after this of, of how things are going to go down? We're going to go home. We're going to negotiate one gift or no gifts or wait till the morning. There's a meal that's somehow planned. How many of you have done that year after year after year and it doesn't work out that way? I, I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I used to be a much greater fan years ago, but 2010, uh, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield were going to fight. Some of you may remember this. And, and, and they asked Mike Tyson, what was his strategy for fighting Evander Holyfield? And he had this amazing quote. I, I put it up here for you. He said this. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I even put a little Santa hat on Mike Tyson just to make it Christmassy, right? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everybody has, a, has an idea of how things are going to go until something that they didn't plan for comes in and takes over. Can, can I just tell you that to not take away from the deity and the holiness of our creator God, that that's exactly what sin did when it entered into this world. It punched us right in the mouth and it derailed humanity, but it did not derail God's plan to be with us. It was always God's plan to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. We can see in, in Genesis chapter 3, we see that he walked in the garden with them. And when they sinned, they hid themselves from him. And God asked this amazing rhetorical question, Adam, where are you? Of course God knows where Adam is. He's hiding. But you see, that's the problem that I want to present to us this morning before we, or, or this evening, before we go home and we negotiate gifts. and this, all this The problem is that sin has separated us from God. And so when we try to remember Christmas and we try to celebrate the virgin birth and this miraculous thing that happened for us, we have to understand the necessity behind that is the problem of sin that keeps us separated from God. Isaiah said back in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, he says, But your iniquities or your sin have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, if you were to read all of, of Isaiah chapter 59, you'd see some pretty interesting things throughout that entire passage. But what it essentially says is that one time, God and man were in lockstep. They were in constant communication. They were in, in, in absolute proximity with the, one another. But once Adam and Eve sinned, and that sin passed on to every one of us, there was a separation that could not be compensated for unless a proper sacrifice was made. And the problem is, is that we have these plans of how we're going to live our lives and the 
things that we're going to do and how good we're going to be and how kind we're going to be and how nice we are. My, my wife and I went shopping today, which you, many of you know, not what I like to do. But it was interesting that I walked around holding the purse, her purse, okay, walked around holding the purse like a good husband, and I just smiled. I needed nothing. I didn't want anything. I picked up a, a thing here or there, but, but I'm watching all the chaos and the crazy, and I'm just thinking, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Like, look at you people. This is craziness. I mean, the line is backed up down the aisles, and, and it's, it's almost like somebody's got a placeholder in line while somebody else goes and shop, and then they come, and, of course, people are looking like, I know you're cutting. And, and of course, you know, I'm thinking, hey, that's their plan, right? They walk in, they see that there are six cash registers, three of them are open. This is going to be a great shopping experience. And the plan is, you go wait in line, I'm going to go shop some more, right? And the retailer's plan is, we're going to make you go through the queue so you can pick up all the little 499 items, right? You went in there for one thing. You had a plan. You went in there for one thing. Sin separates us so much that no matter what our plan is to try to get things right and get it better, it's not going to work. It, it, there's not a single thing we can do to draw enough favor before the Lord to fix the problem that sin has created, this great chasm between us. And God said, you know what? Here's the problem. I know what the problem is. Your plan's not going to work, but my plan will. The last several weeks we've been studying in John chapter 1, and we find ourselves catching up to John chapter 1, verse 14 this week. And this is God's plan for us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we see this. We see that, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I want you to just meditate on that just for just one moment and, and just fathom for just one second. What is the necessity of God coming down and dwelling amongst us? What, is the, what does God get from that? What does he gain from any of that? He gives up a whole lot. But he's God. He can compensate for that. He can overwhelm that. He can change that in a thought and a snap of a finger. Why would God even bother to send his son down for us? Because the plan was Emmanuel, God with us, to always be with us. And, and here's the thing. That's God's plan. That's not our plan. Our rebellious hearts, our attitudes towards God, the creator, the power, the dominion that he has over us is to push against that, to reject that, to not even receive the good without a little bit of resentment. But God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk amongst you. I'm going to become flesh and I'm going to dwell amongst you so we can be together because I love you. Because you're the greatest part of my creation. And I'm going to present the only plan possible for us to be together. Because no plan you have is ever going to work. And so the problem of the separation of sin now has a plan of attack that God had put in place from the very beginning, that he would be with us, that there would be no separation. And in order for that separation to be bridged, we must be unified, and God draws us to himself. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, For our sake he made him, being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I, I want you to consider for just a moment that the gift uh, of the baby in the manger for us what was that this fragile, innocent child would take on all the sins of humanity? He would be responsible for and be he would carry the load of and
and the punishment for everything you and I will still yet to do. And he did so so that he might be amongst us. He became sin who knew no sin. He became separation who knew no separation. He became iniquity that knew no iniquity. He became all those things so that God's plan, Emmanuel, we could be with him and he could be with us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I know it sounds like just good churchy words and a, and a simple plan, but, it, but it, it's why Matthew would reiterate the same words that Isaiah would say when he would say, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The prophecy that was given for thousands and thousands and thousands of years goes all the way back to the garden where God said, my plan is to be with you and you to be with me and for us to be together forever and ever and ever and ever. And no matter what you do, you can't come up with a good enough plan, but don't you worry about it, my favorite creation. I got this. I got this. I'm going to send an innocent child down to pay for your sin. Crazy plan, isn't it? That's a weird story. That that doesn't sound like a loving, benevolent God that would put an innocent child on this earth just to grow up and suffer needlessly for the decisions that you and I make each and every day, for the choices that we embrace and call a lifestyle. That's why he said he would become sin who knew no sin. He would be for us what we needed because we don't have a very good plan. And so here we are, standing in the ring with Mike Tyson, planning out our lives, thinking everything's going to be just fine. We're going to figure this out. Oh, you know what? That's just a little setback. Or I'm going to cover this up with another lie. Or I'm going to get by with this. Or, hey, here's one. Everybody else is doing it, so I should be fine. You can just kind of hear God say, I don't care what everybody else is doing because nobody else is giving their one and only son for you. I am. That's the plan. That's the plan. So we have the problem of the separation that sin brings. We have the plan that God said, I'm going to be with you, and the Word's going to become flesh and dwell amongst you. He's going to grow up. He's going to live like you lived. He's going to be tempted like you've been tempted. He's going to go through all the things that you are going to go through, and he's not going to succumb to the sin that separates him from me. And because of that, he alone can present himself to me on your behalf. That's a pretty good present, in my opinion. That's an advocate that we all need and want. But this, friends, I believe, is the greatest part of the Christmas story. And it's the promise of salvation that comes through the plan because of the problem of sin. This is why we really ought to gather for a Christmas Eve service or for a Christmas Day service or for Sunday morning or just on a Tuesday is because the promise that is made to us is not just made in the baby in the manger that night out in the middle of, uh, of Bethlehem and the shepherds who would leave their sheep and go and see this for their own stuff. The promise is made for us each and every day that God has said, I've got a plan, and my plan actually leads to you getting more out of this than what I get. In fact, I'm going to pay for it. And the plan for salvation simply says this, because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Now, it's to that I would like to share with you a little bit more this morning. It's that ideal of what does it mean for us to be saved and what are we being saved for and why would God even bother to save us? You see, it's real easy at Christmas time for us to get wrapped up in all the consumerism and all the gifts and who did and who didn't. In my family, we, 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 we a couple of years ago decided to do the As Seen on TV Christmas, and I think that's probably one of the best things we ever did. 
You have to go to that aisle, you know, in Walmart, and you have to buy something that has the as seen on TV thing. Some of those items are actually pretty awesome. They're pretty cool. I mean, I don't know who needs an 18 million candle feet light, you know, flashlight, but, you know, I'm glad to know they're out there. But it kind of resolves some of the other, hey, I'm not around you enough. I don't know you very well. I'm not sure what to get you. I don't like what I got. It kind of resolves some of that, right? But even in that, we still see there's a separation, even within our families. And some of it's because of distance. We live far apart. Some of it's because of age. We're, we, we're in different generations. We don't understand. Some of it's because we just have different beliefs and different values. Some of it's because somebody brought politics up at Christmas dinner. Why? <laughs> Why? It's because we're humans. And we got a problem with sin that keeps us separated, which means we're not being influenced properly by a God that loves us so much. And we've got to have a plan to fix this. And no matter what plan we come up with, God says, I've already got a plan. It's called Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive and give birth, and he's going to be with you, and the word will become flesh. He's going to dwell amongst you, and he's going to be tempted by everything you're tempted by, and he's going to overcome that. And then to prove how powerful I am, I'm going to send him to a cross to be nailed to it and hung up there. So you can sit around your Christmas table and talk about politics and get mad at each other and check the day, 365 more days before we have to do this again. Rile up and repeat, right? No. You see, we miss sometimes in all of that hustle and all that bustle, we miss the promise of what that baby represents. God said thousands of years before, I'm going to send the plan to you. And when Jesus arrived as a baby, he says, the plan has arrived, time to get working on this. And the plan is, is that we're going to be together. And the way for that to happen is that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And that means your sins can be forgiven. They'll be nailed to that cross. And the virgin birth will be totally worth it because God's plan does not fail. Can I I say that again? That's the simplest Christmas message I think we'll ever hear. God's plan cannot fail. That's Christmas. That's these crazy shepherds leaving their sheep, which does not happen, by the way. To go see with their own eyes this amazing story that's been cast upon them by these angels, which, by the way, probably really freaked them out. I mean, if an angel came and spoke to me, I don't think I would leave my job to go check it out, right? I'd say, give me Michael Landon's autograph, right? Some of you are old enough to remember that. And isn't it great to know that while we celebrate this baby and we sit around the tree and around the hearth and all other things, we have the promise of salvation that only comes through Jesus. John would also write to us, he would say, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. You see, the promise of Christmas is the fulfillment of the plan that God has for us because of the Father and the Son. That's a lot of P's in there, right? The promise of Christmas is the promise of salvation through the plan of Emmanuel being with us because we have a problem with sin that we can't overcome, that it just continually keeps beating us and beating us and beating us and beating us. So at Christmas time, which I, I know can be challenging for some for a variety of different reasons, at Christmas time, you know what we can really look to whenever we see that manger? We can look to the cross. We can look to the cross of Christ and say that the reason why that cross is there is because that manger was filled with a baby, one crazy 
because God had a plan and he made a promise and he wants us to fill it with his grace. So while we go home and we celebrate with family and friends and we take the next couple of weeks off here as a church and we all go different places and we go back to work and we go on vacations and we go to Christmas number three and Christmas number four, Christmas number five. And then we realize that on Monday that they're going to observe Christmas. So a lot of places are going to be closed. So you can't even take stuff back on Monday. You got to wait till Tuesday. You know, when you, when you, when you do all of those things, my prayer for you is that you would just stop and you would consider Emmanuel. God's plan to be with man. That, that, I mean, that's it. God's plan to be with man. And when you think about this giant, awesome God, don't think that he's so big and so distant and so far away from you that he doesn't want to be with us or I can't be with him. No, no, no. He made a plan for us to be with him. I know sometimes at, at Christmas Eve we, 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 we do these, we, we see these productions and we do these all these other things, but Friends, I don't know a simpler message to give you than this. That God had a plan. And his plan wasn't just uh, exerting his authority. His plan was for us to be together. And so while we're together tonight, and we're grateful for the opportunity to be together tonight, just consider for a moment that this was God's plan all along. That we would be together with him. That we would forever be with him. And so if you're here tonight, I've got two groups of people that are in the room. One group of people have understood what it means to have the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ, through that child that was in the manger that would go to the cross and walk out of an empty tomb. And for you, the celebration for us at Christmas is usually a whole lot different, and if it's not, well, it ought to be, because we're watching the plan follow through. But for others that are in this room tonight, they look and they see the baby in the manger, and they see Christmas, and it's a holiday, and it's a special time, and it's hustle and bustle, and it's commercialized, and it's all these other things, but it's not the focus of salvation, the promise that it's for us. And for you, I just want to tell you something. And I hope you'll listen carefully to this. When God set that plan in motion, he had you in mind. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I come back. And so right now, Jesus is preparing a place for those who would confess him as Lord and Savior and fulfill the promise and the plan of salvation that we see in Emmanuel, God's simple plan to be with man. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. What a wonderful time for us to see that God is still in control and he's got a great plan for our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you love us the way that you do, that you've done all the things for us that need to be done, that Lord, no matter what the plan is that we have for our lives, it is nowhere close to being as good a plan that you have for us. And so, Lord, even in the simplicity of this message, I pray, God, that we understand that, that, that it really is a simple plan. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So, God, this, this evening we, we confess that our sin separates us, and we apologize for that, Lord. We ask that you would forgive us of those sins. That you would cleanse our hearts, Lord, and you would help us to see the necessity of, of the cross, Lord, and the manger. Father, we would see that the plan was for you to come down here to live amongst us. To endure everything that we endure and to come out knowing that you didn't give in, you didn't give up.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the promise that we have salvation through Jesus Christ. For as cruel as it sounds, Lord, sometimes that a child would come into this world in such a strange way, you had that planned out for us because you love us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that promise. And we know that your promise will always be fulfilled. We bless you, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for Jesus who we celebrate his birth because through that, the plan for salvation is made for us. It cannot be fulfilled on its own. So bless us. Bless us this night and bless us as we go and share the love and the hope that we have with others, not just now, but year long. At Emmanuel, God is with us. in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us this evening as we continue?